Hello, people of Earth, and hello, people of the internet wrestling community. This is Curtis Spears, and I'm coming at you with a brand new episode three of the Smart Foundation podcast. I'm here today with the Scott Hall to my Kevin Nash, the pod guy to my big potty cool Shane Campbell. What's up, Shane? How you doing today, bud? Doing great. How are you? Oh, man. it's It's been a long week. We've, uh, we, we've done three episodes in three weeks, which is more than we wanted to do. This was supposed to be a uh, bi-weekly podcast, and it seems like every week we've done it, and we've come back to it again and again. So I guess that means we like it. It's for the fans. For the enduring fans. It is. It's for yep. your mamas. <laughs> All right, man. Well, it's this is going to be a episode that's going to be a little bit closer to our normal. This is not going to be like the mini-sode we released last week. This is going to be um, the way our show should go. Uh, every once in a while, you might see a mini-episode where we want to talk about something specific. But this is going to be the breakdown of how our show is normally going to go. The first thing we want to talk about every week is our favorite matches of the week. Shane, have you thought have you thought about a, a match that really reached out and touched you this week? I have, and, and actually, it's it's almost like a kind of a low key reoccurring person involved in these that I could you know name a match of the week every week, really. So who's that? So I I really like what they're doing with uh, Damian Priest on Raw. Every week there's a U.S. title match, and every week it's really good. I love Damian Priest. He reminds me so much of watching Kevin Nash back in the day. I'm down with that. I haven't seen a Damian Priest match actually since, I think since Ring of Honor, maybe? Ooh. But I used to love him back then, so... Some old punishment. Some punishment Martinez. That was my homeboy. Which match was it this week? So they, they've been kind of working this thing with either Priest versus Sheamus, Priest versus Jeff Hardy, or Priest versus Sheamus and Jeff Hardy. Or some kind of combination of that. That sounds great, actually. So this this last one was Priest versus Jeff Hardy. Awesome. I'm into that. Yeah. That sounds yeah. great. I, uh, Priest versus Sheamus also sounds really good. Sheamus has experienced a late career renaissance recently, hasn't he? Yeah. That's great, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen a lot of people online are giving a lot of uh, a lot of props to Sheamus. He definitely he needs, what, the Intercontinental Championship to, to complete that, that set, that triple crown for him? Yep. Hope he gets it. Good for him. Yeah, my match of the week this week is a pretty special moment for me. Two weeks ago, I sat on a Wednesday and I talked about how much I would love to see Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. Mm -hmm. On Thursday, I'm editing the podcast as I'm watching that day's G1. The match from that day's G1 was Zack Sabre Jr. versus Shingo Takagi. Zack tapped out the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Shingo Takagi, stood up and said, I've taken care of the dragon Shingo Takagi, now I want the American dragon, bring him to me. As I'm editing the, pro the podcast, I was, I was in awe of that. I absolutely loved it. That was a fantastic moment for me. That's not going to be my match of the week. That was my moment of the week, personally. But my match of the week this week uh, had to be Zack Sabre Jr. versus Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, Zack is just carrying the G1 right now. When Naito went down with an injury, people thought, well, the G1 was already pretty thin to begin with. My personal picks, my personal pick em, my brackets busted mm -hmm. just out the door because I had Naito and Jeff Cobb as my winners. Looks like maybe that's that's not going to be the, the case at all this year. Looks like the, the winners could be Zack Sabre Jr. and Kazuchika Okada, which would be absolutely fantastic. They have great chemistry together. I would love to see those two in a block final match. At this point, there's still a chance that Great Okan or Kota Ibushi could win the A block. We could also have Evil or Okada win the B block. So any combination right. of that seems really good. Any combination of those guys versus 
Okada sounds good. Any combination of those guys versus evil sounds pretty terrible. You figure out why. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and talk about our retro review. This was a Shane pick. Shane got to pick the retro review for this week, and he chose a match that I have never seen before. Yes. That was Matt Hardy versus Jeff Hardy at WrestleMania 25, an Extreme Rules match, brother versus brother vengeance mm-hmm. for little jack jack yes now I, i'm going to talk a little bit about this match i'm going to run through my thoughts and then we'll talk about the backstory to it a little bit as i'm watching the match i don't e- i didn't watch the entrances i didn't listen to commentary i just watched what was going on first and i thought jeff was working heel here he came out firing on all cylinders i'm not a jeff hardy fan but man he looked crisp he looked angry and he looked like he was hitting some big moves. The very first thing he does comes out, hits Matt with, what was it, a sign or something like that from underneath the ring, a big poster board. Right, the, yep, the framed. Frame, yeah, frame WrestleMania poster. Then after that, he hits a fantastic jumping leg lariat from the steps to Matt, who was up against the barricade. That looks really good. At one point, he hits an elevated leg drop in the match, which looked fantastic. There was a spot where Jeff came off of the ring apron to hit Matt with a some sort of like twisting clothesline. Also looked really good. I, I was I was sitting there thinking, like, am I a Jeff Hardy fan? What am I doing here? There was a great moment that absolutely fooled me where Jeff goes to hit Matt, who's in the corner. He gets a bounce off of a chair and Matt dodges out of the way. So Jeff's kind of tied up in the corner a little bit. Jeff gets to the top rope and he's going to do the whisper in the wind move and i think oh no he's going to land on that chair nope and as he's coming down matt has moved out of the way grabbed the chair and baseball bats jeff right in the thigh with that chair and then jeff lands directly on his ass i laughed so hard (laughs) because i i was so fooled that wwe production is just second to none sometimes bounces off that chair he gets caught up in the ropes he had readjusts and he goes for a whisper in the wind. And I was like, no, 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 that chair is still there, Jeff. Don't do, don't do that. Don't do that. Bang. <laughs> it was loud as life. You could just hear this amazing echo. Wow. That was awesome. Matt Hardy working, working from underneath for most of the, uh, most of the match here. Not something I expected. Finally, Jeff sets up two, large ladders in the in the ring matt hardy is down he's had a couple of couple of big power moves set up he goes from one ladder to another and drops down to drop 15 foot high leg drop on his brother right matt rolls out of the way hardy lands the elevated nothing and then matt hardy does the nastiest thing i've ever seen a human being do to another human being yes he did puts his head through a chair and gives him the twist of fate cutter directly onto the chair. Wow. That was gnarly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this this came across really, really impassioned. There was a lot of fire in this match. I've always kind of thought that they didn't really have good good chemistry together. But this match proved me wrong. I was very, very wrong. I thought WrestleMania 25 was a one a one-match show. Granted that that match is The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, which might be the best match of all time when it comes to WrestleMania matches. Mm -hmm. But 
this really, I mean, I guess I should have watched this match when it, when it happened. I, I've, I've never seen WrestleMania 25 all the way through. I've never watched this match. I've watched only one match from that particular era. I was not watching Raw at this point. I think I was watching just Ring of Honor and Noah. I, I can't even see why I skipped this over. Uh, Shane, you want to you tell me why you picked this match specifically? So, it was definitely one of those, like, hidden gem matches, especially for WrestleMania. And with Matt and Jeff, you're right, like, th- this was definitely their best match that they've had. A couple years prior, you know, maybe eight or nine years prior to the first hill turn or beef between the two, it seemed kind of rushed because it was at the height of, you know, Team Extreme. It didn't really make any sense. Granted, they were also not as seasoned the first time but you know the the psychology was kind of hit and miss they didn't seem that into it this one it was a lot more passion involved you you could tell and i think that was always kind of a knock i had on jeff hardy despite you know it's still being one of my favorite if not my favorite tag team of all time it seemed like matt how do i not first of all how do i not turn this into a matt hardy appreciation episode because that will come at some point. <laughs> we can point. definitely turn it into a Matt Hardy appreciation. <laughs> yeah. So that's just... Yeah. But, you know, sometimes Jeff kind of goes through the motions. Th- this was not the case. Although the initial turn was kind of typical, you know, chair shot. You know, how can he do it to his brother? That was kind of a typical thing. But the promos, this match, the I Quit match yes. after this at Backlash, like, this was, this was well done. Can we talk about some of the promos? Because directly after I watched the match for the first time, uh, and like I said, I, I wasn't listening to the commentary. I, I was just watching the, the match itself. I went back and watched some of the promos. I found some old promos from that from that hype package on mm-hmm. YouTube. Story is Matt is tired of being his brother's babysitter, turned on him at the Rumble with a chair shot. Since then, car accident, random attacks, pyro mishap, then the turn. Matt lit Jeff's dog on fire? Question mark. I that, woo! Oh my god, what the hell was that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I it's yeah they they played it like he was Norman Bates. Mm-hmm. He's just like, oh somebody lit your house on fire. Oh looks like your dog was still in there. I was like, oh my god, is this is this real? What did like? Because they they kept saying that this was something that actually happened to him. His house did catch on it fire. Did. It did. And they turned it into a story. Like, okay, yeah. At that point, I, no wonder he started the matches as fast and furious as he did because I would have too. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I I couldn't believe that was something they turned uh, into a, into a storyline. But yeah, really good, really good, fun times. Some of the other things that I've noticed from this match: this was the premiere of Matt Hardy's trunks. His his actual tights, the 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 key logo tights. Yeah, those those were really really good. I he he came out with the best song that any of the Hardy Hardys or Team Extreme have ever had. You can fight me on that. Monster Magnet is the best. Yes. Again, Matt Hardy appreciation. I I will say that Jeff definitely had the main title runs above Matt as far as that, but. I will have to say that Matt had better WrestleMania matches. This one included. You can even go back to his cruiserweight title match oh, against Rey with Mysterio. Rey Mysterio. That was a very, very good one. He's he's put on some low key classics at WrestleMania on on his own. Not factoring in the TLCs and all that, but solo stuff. I'd have to give the the edge to Matt. 
That's fair. I forgot. Oh, I forgot to mention the the belly flop through the double table, like the ta- the table sandwich, gen- the the table sandwich Jenga blocks yeah. that he's got going there. Yeah, yeah. So he puts Matt on a table on the outside, puts a chair over the top of him, puts a, puts another table on top of that, and then belly flops through it. Absolutely fantastic. The crowd went nuts for that. Yeah, I I'm not sure if. Jeff got the worst of that, maybe, but it certainly made the crowd very happy to see. It was a cool spot, and that led to the double the double ladder moment that ended the match. So the the one thing that I did make a note about is that Jeff's high impact moves look really good, but he can't string too many of them together since he has to set up the next big bit of plunder, which is something I don't usually care about for extreme rule stipulations. The match suffers a little bit because of it. So you've got big move, and then two or three minutes is spent kind of setting up the next thing and then you've got big move and then three or four minutes is spent setting up the next thing right that does kind of make the the storytelling aspect of it stutter stop stutter stop and it it, i don't really that messes with me watching the match because i i would much prefer to see like a smooth chain of like maybe smaller moves building up to a big moment rather than a big moment and then just sitting on my hands for three minutes, and then another big moment. That being said, this this being a Extreme Rules match, you kind of have to expect that, I guess. Right. And I think I think maybe subtly they were just kind of hinting at their TLC matches with, you know, kind of the emphasis on all three of those weapons during the match. Yeah, there were there were big spots with all three of those. I mean, the, the chair being what ultimately ended it, that and right. the tables on the outside, and the, the ladders being what led to the finish. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, that makes sense. It seemed like there might have been a time constraint on this match. I know that there was a joke women's battle royal right before this. Mm-hmm. You could have taken, taken that five minutes off of that and added it to this match. It would have been a lot better. Then I heard that Kid Rock had three songs earlier in the night. Kid Rock comes out and plays three songs. At that point, I said, you know what? Keep that joke-ass pre-Divas yeah. Battle Royal and cut that nonsense out. <laughs> let's, let's take those three songs and give an actual decent Divas Battle Royal and an extra few minutes to this Matt Hardy versus Jeff Hardy match. Definitely a different era back then. <laughs> yeah, it was. So yeah, the seemed like a really concise story. I didn't have to do much digging to find out what was going on when i finally listened to the to the play-by-play they didn't really go much into the what had led to the match they they talked a bit about the actual turn itself they talked about how this was tearing their family apart and how they grew up together and and things like that that was that was fine i had to go and look for the promo where he talked about how he had inadvertently killed jeff's dog I still can't get over Matt. That 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 was uh, that was insane. But yeah, hey, that's a fucking tragedy. Actually, I I no wonder he started out the match hot because I would have too. Right, and and say what you will. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like Matt Hardy, pre-delete even, he always had a way of reinventing himself. And Jeff Hardy was Jeff Hardy, still is. But Matt has like distinct eras, almost like Jericho with his characters. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Hardy is still that ethereal, not always there. He, he's very like a like a fey mm-hmm. creature or something like that. You know, he's from another from another plane or another dimension or another way of thought and he's coming coming down to to wrestle. Matt definitely he goes from the team extreme 
to was this before this was before no Mattitude came. Yeah, th- yeah this was after Mattitude. Before this. This was after yeah, this was after Mattitude. So you got Team Extreme, Mattitude, you've got this key trunks, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool, actually. I think I think the whole package kinda came together there for me. I thought he looked like a complete right. wrestler. Then he's got big money Matt. He's got the broken Matt. Now he's what, Hardy Family CFO. Mm-hmm. This is all good stuff. This is all very good stuff. I kind of laughed when you selected this match because I said, oh, man, I've never watched this. I don't like Jeff Hardy. I have a passing interest in Matt Hardy. Okay, let's sit down and see. Uh-huh. And I, and this this really entertained me. So I, I was really happy after to, to see that you've picked this match. This was really good. Thank you. Good yes. pick. Thank you. Any other, any other things that you want to say about this match before we move on to our, our next segment? That Matt Hardy is awesome. So is Jeff, but I don't think I can deny that. I think I think you're 100 percent right. I usually have a lot of respect for Matt Hardy, and I think my respect for Jeff Hardy went up a little bit after watching this match as mm-hmm. well. Very yep. cool pick, man. Thank you very much. So the next thing we're going to talk about now, there was a very special episode of AEW Dynamite two weeks ago. The dream match that everybody wanted to see: the Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega. Five stars would have been 17 in the Tokyo Dome mm-hmm. match. A lot of people have been talking and saying that this is the best free TV match in modern wrestling history. And I don't want to get in here and sit down and say, oh, this is this ranks as my number one or my number two for these reasons. Or the, But, I mean, we were all watching. We all saw how hot the crowd was. We all saw what a fantastic match it was. I think they might be right. We can think of a couple that can match that sort of presence, that sort of power. And I think that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to we're going to name a couple of our other favorite free TV matches that really knocked our socks off. Can you think of any sort of match that had that sort of power and that sort of presence uh, or that sort of wrestling acumen that really floored you from the last few years? So I was kind of thinking of it in uh Kind of in a little bit of a different direction. From a wrestling standpoint, yeah, that's that, that matches up there. But from like a overall moment and kind of like a what just happens type thing, uh, a couple other ones come to mind for me. And the first one was The Rock and Mankind, Halftime Heat. The, the empty arena match, right? Right. You know, obviously they, they were trying to snag some ratings from the, from the Super Bowl. So why not have a WWF title match? It was it was it was a fun match again with you know at, at the height of the Attitude Era you know The Rock Mankind that's gold anyway I mean Sunday Night Heat in general they had some solid matches like Sunday Night Heat's kind of now thought of as like a afterthought but you go back and watch some Heat they had some Heat and I'm gonna look at it right now the halftime show for Super Bowl 33 1999 uh-huh. Gloria Estefan. Would you rather watch Gloria Estefan in 1999 or The Rock and Mankind? I know which one I'd settle down for. Don't care that she had Big Bad Voodoo Daddy with her. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go she ahead had, and watch. She had Scott Steiner there? No, no, no. Uh, Voodoo Daddy. Oh. <laughs> okay. okay. That was a band. All right. Okay. I'm told. Because that changes it. <laughs> if she had St- Scott Steiner with her, that might have been different. Right. So. That was a 17-minute match, so it looks like it went just from the very start of halftime to about halfway through. And Mankind wins. This is the one where he pinned him with a 
a forklift with the forklift yeah <laughs> and there was there was a camera on with the, the weird bottom, camera angle the camera on the bottom of the forklift as it lowered down on the so earlier, just a few minutes ago, I went ahead and praised WWE production. And that praise will continue. <laughs> don't you dare. <laughs> that was, I don't know who thought of that and said that that was a good idea. I mean, I, mean, I understand they want to make, they wanted to turn that into a mini movie. But that camera angle kind of took me out of it just a little bit. I remember watching that in my, my friend Johnny's basement and, and just going, uh... <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, has anyone ever checked underneath a forklift to see if there isn't a camera? You know what? I haven't. Yeah. Question withdrawn. You know, and one of my one of my favorite parts of that match was just so random. The whole match was random, but when they're like fighting in the back and they're with like the you know the food or whatever in the back, so the Rock he's he's beating on him, trash talking, and then he like tries like some of the salsa or something on the table. <laughs> I forgot about that. That he hates, and then he just like basically blames that also on mankind. Oh, <laughs> it's just God. like, oh no, oh, yeah, fantastic. Um, okay. <laughs> Is there any other any other thoughts about that match? No, that it it was what it was at that time. You know, yeah. I mean, nineteen ninety nine was a pretty wild year for the WWE. People tend to forget how absolutely batshit insane the Attitude Era really was. You're right. So, the first match that I actually thought of when I thought of matches that could rival this uh, free television match, well, I'll talk about the first one that I thought of second, but the, the next one that I thought of was Shawn Michaels versus John Cena from Raw in April of 2007. This match came from a absolutely white-hot London crowd, and ever since I moved here, London has proven to be a wrestling town. We love wrestling over here. And they don't really get enough of it. Uh, I mean, when was SummerSlam? 92 at Wembley? Mm -hmm. That was the last like major pay-per-view they've had. They've had a couple of small pay-per-views and a couple of small events since then, but they haven't really had a major moment. And I think that this was their way of kind of saying, we're sorry. Here's, Here's two dudes who are at the top of their game. I mean... You can say Shawn Michaels might have been past his prime at this point, but dude was still putting on absolute bangers. So who's going to say no thank you? And John Cena at the, at the height of his popularity slash hatred. Mm-hmm. This was the height of let's go Cena. Cena sucks. Cena's drawing power at this point was second to none. He was the star of the show, but everyone hated him. Every, everyone who was over eight years old just couldn't stand the guy. Mm-hmm. This is a match I I didn't actually see when it first aired. Still wasn't watching wrestling at this point. I wasn't watching Raw at this point anyway. It was absolutely fantastic. It's so much fun. It starts out very slow. They had just wrestled a couple of weeks before at WrestleMania where Cena had tapped out HBK with the worst looking STF ever. And you could tell that was the story of the matches. He wanted to just lock that in again. He's working HBK's back. He's trying to lock that in as often as possible. HBK is selling his back like a champ. Absolutely like a champ. So many times I'm watching that match and I'll see he'll he'll make a big move and then grab his back and flop to the floor. And I'm just going, God, Michaels is good. He's such a... And I'm not breaking any new grounds. That's not exactly a hot take saying that Shawn Michaels is a good wrestler. Right. 
But yeah, this match, it started out at almost an hour into the show and they ended the show there with that match going damn near 60 minutes, taking Mm -hmm. up half the episode. The crowd seemed like they were, they were into it when it started. Everybody got good reactions. And by the end of it, the crowd was just eating out of the palm of their hands. Uh, I saw a lot of people saying that Michaels carried Cena through this. Absolutely not. That is not what happened. Those two put on an absolute show together. Mm -hmm. Uh, They both did a lot of the little things that they need to do to make people pay attention, to make people care. And the fans absolutely loved it. Uh, You could just hear, hear the crowd building and building and building as they went through it. I was really, really happy that I got to sit down and watch that today. Because it really reminded me of, as much as I say I wasn't watching uh, wasn't watching WWE at that point, there was a lot of good stuff going on. And if you have access to the network or have access to someone else's copy of the network, which is what I do, then you can go back and find some of that hidden those hidden gems. Yeah, and, and, and this is this is definitely one. Definitely, and Cena, you know, he gets flack for oh you can't wrestle, and, and it's like a lot of that is 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 unnecessary. Yep, he's he's not. He's not Ricky Steamboat, but he's 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 more than capable, and that's coming from me, who has never wrestled in their lives. So, so what do I? So know? you know that you know that you're 100 percent right, right percent of the time. He's, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> What's another match that you could think of that might rival the spectacle? In contrast to the halftime heat silliness, the other route I would go is um, Nitro in Atlanta, Goldberg. Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Yes. Okay. So I've never seen that many people in my entire life at this point. Watching that, watching that live, and seeing that sea of people erupt, watching Goldberg versus Hogan was absolutely outstanding. That was, like you said, quite a spectacle. Yeah. And I, I was really excited when you chose that because I never would have thought of that. I, I would always go for something where you're going to watch two dudes have an, have a fantastic wrestling match because that's what I think of. And you, you're thinking of the spectacle of it all. Right. And I appreciate that. Right. What kind of made you think of this? Really, it's just that when you look at it or when you think of just like pure spectacle, crowd reaction, crowd enthusiasm, although a little bit anticlimactic looking back, you know, this was during the streak. He had to, if I recall, he had to beat Scott Hall earlier in the night to get the title match. You, you kind of knew in Atlanta, Goldberg's backyard, competing with WWF, if there was going to be a time, this probably was going to be it. But then maybe not, you know, because it's like, okay, if anyone's going to end the streak, it would be Hollywood Hogan. That makes sense. When Goldberg was on that streak, you knew that it wasn't going to end to someone like Hugh Morris. Right. But, you know, when he when he has a big match against someone like Hogan, you're like, oh, ooh. Right. It could it could it could be a thing now. And and looking back, I mean, can you imagine like if he did lose and the and the streak ended in Atlanta? <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> I mean, you know, they might have been booking with, with you know, their logic tied behind their back, but they they weren't that dumb. I know. I know. Yeah, no, that was, uh, as I remember, the only thing I remember about that match is Goldberg putting Hogan into that jackhammer and the place going absolutely cuckoo banana crazy town. I don't remember the rest of it because I remember being in in my room jumping up and down 
and like yelling at the top of my lungs when it actually happened. Right. My mom actually came into the other room and told me to stop to stop yelling because <laughs> she was trying to go to sleep. <laughs> I mean, it, it was definitely one of the loudest reactions I had ever seen, especially on like a non-Starcade, non-Clash the you know Champions type thing. Like it was just Nitro. Yeah, but it it had drawn that big of a house, and a lot of people a lot of people give it give it a lot of guff because it, they didn't save that for pay-per-view mm-hmm. but you've got that house that big gotta give them something mm-hmm. i mean what was there a hundred thousand people or something like that in the georgia dome something like that yeah so largest wcw crowd with forty-one thousand four hundred and twelve tickets it's a million dollar gate it was their one of their biggest ever i seriously thought it was more than that i mean that's that it felt like it the, it really felt like it i thought i thought it had to be like Pontiac Silverdome WrestleMania three numbers because it looked like a humongous ocean of people. Right, and 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 you know, speaking of that, like why it, it seemed like it was mostly WCW back then. Like, why did the fans always throw like trash in the ring to celebrate <laughs> and just to be to upset and because they were angry? Yeah, it's like it was the weirdest <laughs> thing. I I don't even know, man. That was that was some, maybe that was. Ed Leslie sitting at the side and be like, oh, no. Throwing cups half full of urine into the ring. Yeah. Goldberg. You're going to ruin my Zodiac character. <laughs> taking, taking the shine off the barber. You son of a gun. The booty man. The booty man. Terrible. Yeah. Ed Leslie. Oh. Is he dead? Rest I... in peace, Ed Leslie, just in case. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> It was really weird that they would they would throw things into the ring basically all the time. Like anytime there was something big happen, they'd start throwing things. Yeah. It was so weird. You know, I don't yeah. remember that happening any other time except in WCW. I have seen it happen, you know, in, in Japan, audiences will pick up their the cushions off of their seats and throw those into the ring, which I think is it's a pretty cool visual. But I don't remember people throwing garbage. That's definitely not a thing that you'd see in Japan. But yeah, that only happened in WCW. Yeah, because I don't even really recall it happening a lot in ECW, where you would think it was. ECW, they would throw the, they'd throw the chairs. Yeah. They threw the chairs. Chairs and so. <laughs> prosthetic legs. It's weird. Prosthetic legs and actual the actual kitchen sink. Everyone would just throw Spike Dudley into the ring. <laughs> the fourth match that I picked, and this is the one that I think if I had to pick one to actually just rival Danielson and Kenny Omega, I would pick the Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle Iron Man match from SmackDown in September 2003. I don't remember where I was when they announced this match. I remember sitting down to watch SmackDown. My roommate Angel and I, at the time, we were always bitching because it was like, oh, these matches, end of the night, they never really get a long time to to really go. They They get maybe five or ten minutes for their main event match on Raw. This is sad. Blah, blah, blah. Always our complaint. And then we we see Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar Iron Man match for the WWE title. And I I don't know if my eyes rolled back in my head from actual excitement. Mm-hmm. But they probably did. I think I think I looked like that, that meme of the dude sitting at his computer puking up a rainbow. <laughs> that was probably me. I love Kurt Angle. I think Kurt Angle is in my top five of all time, I absolutely adore Kurt Angle. So the idea of him and Brock Lesnar having their rubber match on free TV 
in my favorite kind of match. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I the joy, the overwhelming joy. I think I just saw sparkles everywhere. The match itself was fantastic. Brock won their first meeting at WrestleMania 19. Their second meeting at SummerSlam went to Kurt. And then their rubber match on just free TV a week after my birthday. Mm -hmm. How cool was that? Uh, Yeah, that match started out with Kurt Angle just out-wrestling Brock. Brock would try something. You know, he'd, he'd get a couple of kicks in when Angle wasn't expecting it. But then Angle would overcome and hit Brock with a big suplex. Brock would powder out of the ring, take a few minutes, look for his plan of attack. And then Brock just said, you know what? Screw this. And just hit Angle like six times with a chair. <laughs> he, goes in, he goes in the hole, zero to one, and then proceeds to build up to like a 5-2 lead at one point, just because after after he hits Angle with a chair, he's getting victory after victory after victory. Yeah, gets him up to about 5-2, and then we see Angle starts working over Brock's legs. This is, this is how Angle's going to valiantly fight back. Angle gets back to 5-4. As time is running down, Angle's got Brock grapevined in the ankle lock. All Brock has to do is hold on. And he held on for, what, like two mm-hmm. minutes of being in that in that move that has tapped out legends in this business. Brock's selling is on point. Kurt's screaming. The, the crowd is going absolutely shithouse. And, man, what a fantastic match. Brock escaped, escaped with his belt almost literally. Rolled out of the ring, clutching the belt and laughing as the as the as the credits played. That was, oh man, what a what an absolutely fantastic match! And they just gave it away for free. Why not? Because it was my birthday. That's why. That's why. And that's what I wanted. So so there there are some. If you liked the Danielson versus Omega match and you want something that has that sort of big fight feel, there's a couple that that we think could fit the bill. Or if you just like zany camera angles, then halftime heat is for you. So there's that. So before we leave, we want to take a couple of seconds to go ahead and answer a couple more of our listener questions. Got a question from Donna, my wife, my lovely wife, the amazing and beautiful, talented, fantastic. I'm just earning points at this point. How are you? You okay? I love you too. All right, here we go. Yeah. Uh, so we got a question. Yeah. <laughs> so we got a question from Donna. She asks, what is most important to you about wrestling? Shane, what's most important to you about wrestling? The storytelling. Storytelling is probably going to be my answer to what, what define storytelling as far as what you can see. I mean, and I think that's the beauty of wrestling is it it can vary on the the wrestler, the type of match. You know, because the storytelling can come from the promos more than the wrestling. Or it could be the wrestling. Or it can be an injury within the match. Just the fact that it, it can come from so many different ways. It's it's a live-action comic book slash soap opera that that storytelling can come from. And, you know. That's that's a, that's a smart answer. I think, I think it's, the, like I said, the exact same answer for me. Um, storytelling for me probably the number one i want to make sure that when i watch a match i can decipher what's going on if i don't know the promos if i don't know that matt hardy lit jeff hardy's dog on fire i can still see what's going on who's who's the clear face who's the clear heel 
what's what's the actual issue that they're having i we go my wife and i go to a lot of local events here in london but we don't go to every one of them so i may not know why you know why these two dudes are angry at each other i want to know in the match what these two dudes are doing to solve it to work it out you know right i want to know you know do these guys are these guys having a respectful match where they're both just kind of working is this a, some sort of like i hate you from the bottom of my soul thing like what's going on feed me that mm-hmm. feed me that inside the ring and i'm happy there's there's a lot of dudes who just want to see violence they just want to see blood or gore that's cool man but like for me if i can watch two dudes come in and say you're supposed to cheer for me you're supposed to root against him I'm going to wrestle in a way that makes you want to cheer for me. He's going to wrestle in a way that makes you want to cheer against him. And we're going to tell a story. That's, that would be exactly what I would want. That's probably the most important thing for me. I want to be able to watch a match and know the story without ever having to see anything else about it. As adults, she asked, as adults, how uh, has wrestling changed for you since you were a kid? Not necessarily has the style changed, but how has wrestling changed for you? I think for me, as I've gotten older, I've 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 had a, a a more of a grasp on kind of the the interworkings, if you will, and sometimes that can, you know, not necessarily be a positive as far as the backstage things, which I've tried to stay away from as of late, you know, as far as the the dirt sheets and the rumor mills and all of that. So that that's that's something that I that I got more into as I got older, but for me, I I try to not really have a lot of it change. To be honest, I, I try to maintain some of that imagination, escape from reality, and not try to overanalyze it. So I, I I may I may appreciate the wrestling more on like an athletic level than I did maybe when I was ten, but overall the innocence, if you will, I, I try to I still try to maintain that. That's a good answer. I think because there you gave an example of how it's changed for you and how it's stayed the same. I think for me, it's changed, well, almost the exact opposite of yours. Mm-hmm. I don't look at it as a kid does anymore. I think if you want to watch it as a kid, uh, if you want to watch it with that sort of innocence, if you want to watch it with that wide-eyed wonder, there there is a company out there that will uh, help you out with that. And a lot of people do. It's the most popular company in the world right now. For me, I prefer to watch something that I think is athletically interesting, something that I think is more challenging. Uh, And that's not to say that you can't have interesting, challenging matches inside uh, WWE, but I focus almost completely on New Japan because that gives me what I want. It gives me uh, dudes who are athletically hard-hitting, are doing a sort of catch-as-catch-can wrestling that you don't really see anywhere else in a major company, or are doing strong-style matches where you know you, you're going to take a you're going to take a suplex, you're going to pop up, and and through the strength of your courage and determination, you're going to turn around and hit the next dude with a lariat. Just that's that's the kind of stuff I want to see. I want to see a dude do something physically that amazes me. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's what I want to see. My, I, I used to love watching, like you said, a live action comic book. And now I want to watch a physical storytelling match that, that I can 
clearly delineate and I can I can dissect. I like to dissect the matches. What makes it fun to watch for you? What makes wrestling fun to watch? Oddly enough for me, I like I like seeing the what I perceive anyway. I like seeing the wrestlers enjoy wrestling. Yes. You know what I mean? Like when I when when you can kind of tell that they're having a good time and that they're enjoying what they're doing for a living, that that's cool to see. Yeah, I, you know, you you, you always want to kind of live people. vicariously through it. Yeah, you always want to see people enjoying what they do for a living. A hundred percent. It's just more entertaining when you can see someone entertain doing doing what they enjoy doing to entertain you. Like, right. You want when you go to a concert, you want to see that person up up there playing guitar or whatever, and you want to see them having the time of their life playing their guitar for you. You know, right. or you want to see um, when you go to see the new action movie. You know, you don't want to see the the actor or actress just kind of half-ass delivering their lines and like, you know, oh, bang bang, moving on to the next scene. Here we go. You know, you want to see them with unbridled joy blowing up cars in new york city or whatever right that's that's what you want to see so when you can watch two two professionals go to work and love wrestling man that's a lot of fun to watch Mm -hmm. yeah i'm gonna seal your answer again that was really good okay (laughs) our final question for the night comes from brad brad is a member of our facebook group He's also on Instagram at GameMaster0925. He says, There have been so many wasted talents due to bad booking when making the main Federation roster. This is talking about NXT call-ups. In your opinion, what was the biggest waste, mistaken, or blown opportunity? Also, when you talk about people complaining too much, just at me next time. <laughs> That's Yeah, Brad complains a lot about wrestling, it's true. Uh, you know, this is, this is a, a question that we don't, I don't know. I don't really like the the way he asked this question. I mean, it's it seems pretty negative. But way to go, Brad! Yeah, way to go, Brad! You're bringing your negativity to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, ketchup eating mother. Is he, is he eating ketchup on his hot dogs? No, probably no, no. Yeah. He can't be. He, he right? might be. He's from he's from the northern Midwest area, like Wisconsin. He can't be eating can't be eating ketchup on a hot dog in wisconsin they kick you out i'm just saying it's possible if if there had been a mistaken uh, mistake or a blown opportunity with an nxt call-up what what's the what's the most egregious one for you i don't really feel like i have an answer for this because i haven't i haven't watched enough people on the main roster to say i mean that that in itself can be kind of a loaded loaded question with a loaded answer because you know what define blown opportunity you know, if, if someone gets called up and they don't win the WWE title, is it a wasted opportunity because they didn't, you know, headline WrestleMania? I guess I can name off uh, maybe some head scratchers. Okay, go for that one. Yeah, I guess I could say maybe EC3. That one was a little bit awkward. Right, yeah. Ethan Carter the Third, EC3. That dude, it just screams main roster guy doesn't it he's got the physique he's got the promo ability yeah but on the flip side sometimes sometimes the uh, characters and i don't know if it's coincidence or just like creative sometimes they're a little too similar so you look at someone like ec3 and then you look at someone like bobby Roode, right 
on the surface, they have similar things. Now, as a fan, which would you rather see if you had to choose one? Um, probably Bobby Roode. Okay. I don't know. It seems like six one half dozen the other for me. Well, I I would say Bobby Roode just purely based on theme song. That also, because um, it it glorious, but banger. A little more of history with Bobby Roode. You know, if if you if you were a fan of you know TNA, he has more more of a catalog than an EC3. Although, you know, he's older, so that, you know, that's a given, but he's a little more established. Bobby Roode doesn't have a five-star match from uh, Stinky Uncle Dave. Well, that's true. EC3 does. The the forbidden ladder match. The, the cursed ladder match. <laughs> well, he, he had a five-star entrance that they got rid of, so. He did have I mean, a five-star entrance. Nothing going to beat that. So, I, I don't know. I definitely appreciate the question, Brad, but uh, I think it's, you know, that's all, it's all relative as far as what would be a blown opportunity, you know, or wasted because I mean, heck things, you never know how it's going to pan out, you know, look at uh Liake, if I'm even pronouncing that correctly. I have no idea what that is. Liake? So, Liake? He was in NXT and he became Roman Reigns. You know, so you got, you know, Biggie Langston. So, I mean, there's there's things where, like, not everything pans out initially, but sometimes it, fi- it finds its way back around. So what you're saying is EC3 will be WWE champion someday? No, I'm not. <laughs> um, but I might, you, you, you might have sparked a, a, a hot tag hot take that I might save here towards the end. Oh, so it's not going to be a hot take. It's going to be a lukewarm take. Yeah, this this one won't no, be. You know what? If you've got, if you've got, are you going to let it cook? Is that what you're saying? You're going to let it cook for a few seconds? A little bit, a little bit. All right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know enough about how people are booked on the main roster to really worry about it. Seems like everybody's got pretty good careers. I mean, I'm guessing if you asked those guys, half of them would say that they'd prefer to stay and make money doing what they do. Right. I'm pretty sure you know if you ask Pete Dunne, you know. Hey, are you happy where you're at? He's going to say, yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's not really a main roster guy, but sure, he's cool with where he's at. He's making good money. He's, he's living things up in lovely uh, Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. Florida. And uh, and some of it might stem from, you know, recently, you know, someone like Karrion Cross, who hasn't been handled the best. Yeah, what uh, the F, bro? But again, I mean, man, I, I guess we just got to let it play out. I mean, yeah, he has a weird helmet thing that he wears to the ring and the entrance is watered down. But in a year's time, if that watered down entrance is at WrestleMania for a title match, will it really matter? Yeah. A lot of wrestling fans these days will watch the first match of a best of seven series or whatever that they're going to run through the summer. And they'll go, oh, this guy didn't win the very first match. And I'm angry about it. And it's okay. So there is an element of wait and see to it, but I think a lot of people have, have given enough wait and see to WWE that there is also something to be said for we've been fooled once. Shame on, shame on you. A fool can't get fooled again. That's what George W. Bush mm-hmm. said. We know who WWE is at, is at this point. So, uh, you know, when you say wait and see, 
Um, it's it's a toss up. That's that's it's, true. It's a, it's, it's a toss pretty, up. Pretty big toss. It's either WrestleMania or Future Endeavored. It could be one of those. One of those with big, anyone big one. or just about anyone on the roster. But you Seems know, like today, yeah, kind of put a button on that. I think us as fans, we get so. We get so involved in, oh, well, this person's getting pushed and this person getting buried. But we, we I don't know if we often uh, not sit there and realize that for every person that's pushed, that in turn means someone else is going to be potentially buried. They're one and the same. That's that's another thing. Is I hate that. I hate that. Oh, this good right. person is being pushed. This new person needs a, is being buried. Right. Stop it. Stop yeah. it now. We need to, as fans, readjust for what we're for what we're able to expect if finn balor gets a title shot and loses he's not being buried exactly he just had a title shot on a on a pay-per-view that's very far from being buried i'm so tired of this person didn't win the title the very first time shut up man right no one no one watched Okada versus Kenny Omega won and said, "Oh, Kenny Omega's being buried." Right. That's a dumb take. That's a that's a cold take, and you need cold to delete take. that off your Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> cold take. Well, I guess there's no way to work it in except for that. So here's from the Smart Foundation School of moving on to the next subject. <laughs> Transitions. We've talked about cold takes, lukewarm takes, and possibly a hot takes. Shane, you got anything? that you're working on what, what what seed is germinating right now i'm just i mean and this just came to me so we started off the show you know i was talking about you know what they're doing with the u.s title stuff on raw right so with the on the heels of the draft there's someone that got drafted over to raw austin theory austin theory uh-huh. was was he not with uh nxt on the way that's not a thing now oh or at least with him anymore i don't know okay he's on raw and it may not be that hot but it's all I have right now. Maybe he's the one to knock off Damian Priest for the U.S. title. I'm going to just throw that out there. Weren't you at one point saying that he was going to be the youngest uh, WWE champion of all time? I don't remember that, but I, that sounds like something I'd say. <laughs> I think that was pre-COVID and speaking out and everything like that. So that was. I think I, I might have said that about Pete Dunne. Okay. But I think he's a little past that now because i think it's what 20 24 okay yeah. yeah i'm not i'm not willing to go there yet with with austin theory okay. but he's gonna he's going to have a championship within the next 25 years so <laughs> seems safe seems yeah seems like a pretty safe bet so you think Austin Theory is going to make a splash when he gets to he's going to he's gotten called up from NXT to the main roster and you think Austin Theory is going to be the dude who breaks the stigma and makes a splash on Raw possibly by dethroning Damian Priest for the US title. Right. And and, and the reason why and it, it just dawned on me so you know they've they've been having the programs with you know Priest, Sheamus, Jeff Hardy, all those combinations of people. There was a a segment after the match on Raw where you know Jeff was already in the ring austin theory newly drafted comes out comes you know says how much of a fan he is wants to take a selfie this whole mark out moment and then he just levels jeff hardy afterwards austin theory versus jeff hardy sounds pretty good right and so my theory pun intended intended. you just you know inserted him into something that already involved 
a U.S. title contender anyway, so it wouldn't really be that much of a stretch. It seems like a pretty good fatal four-way. Mm-hmm. I'm into that. I'm into that. Yeah. All right, man. Yeah, so there's there's the official shot. Austin Theory breaks the stigma of NXT call-ups. Yep. I like it. Well, Shane, do you have any uh, any final thoughts for the uh, for the folks today? Uh, nope. Still working on that tagline. <laughs> It's only it's only been you know your entire life to come up with something that you can say to people. Okay, I mean, how about how about this? Cowabunga! Now I gotta think of something else. You took that one. <laughs> now go and rest, our heroes. Google it. Google it. <laughs> that's gonna that's that's gonna be my new tagline until I get sued somehow. Congratulations! You have completed a great game, and proved the justice proved the justice of our culture. Now go and rest, our heroes. <laughs> yep for your mamas for your mamas congratulations I'm trying not to clap in front of the microphone oh no I have no idea what that is but I love mm-hmm. it is that from that's from a video game is it what is it Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters? what is that yeah. yes oh awesome mm-hmm. that made my night that was mm-hmm. great okay so let's do that again <laughs> Take two. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Again. And do it with the same vim and vigor. So, yes, congratulations. You've made it to the end of another uh, episode. Now go and rest our heroes. Thank you, Shane. Yes. I appreciate that. Where can people find you on social medias? Um, I'm not, you know, too active on uh, my, my own personal social medias. But you, Yes, you... perhaps this should be the thing that makes you do that. Well, and if you're really nice, we can maybe bully Shane into starting to work on on Instagram. Yes, peer pressure might work. Peer pressure. What is your? It's is it just it's just Shane Campbell on Instagram? It is, is Shane. I'm a, it, it it is full disclosure. I may or may not have been on there in several years. I'm currently working on my MySpace profile pic. That's where I'm at. Yep. You have. So here we have Shane Campbell's Instagram. He follows four people. I'm sorry, yeah, you're following four people, one of them being Patrick Mahomes, neither of them being me. I don't know, that might be, that might be like my burner account. I don't know if that, that might not <laughs> you be have me. 30, you have 34 followers for your zero posts. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good, man. That's pretty good numbers. Yeah. You know, <laughs> putting in that work. Yeah, I mean, 30, 34 followers every time you do nothing. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good ratio. Yeah. Just imagine if I uh did things with that. If I if I tried. <laughs> uh as for me, you can find me at Eldestructo eighty three on Instagram. You can find us at the Smart Foundation Debate Dungeon and at the Smart Foundation on Instagram. And um I guess the last thing I'll end up saying is a winner is you. Say goodnight, Shane. Good night. Shane. Shane. There it is. It's for your mamas. It's for your mamas. <laughs>